0: Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a podcast from a Kiwi chick, Chokka, with roleplay gaming chat and world lore of the most fantasy place ever, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Churr!
1: you to know I thought you kept song ruled.
0: <laughs> Kia ora morena Tenakoto, Kato, hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. Kete pehe Koto, how are you all well kete tino pai I am very good uh It is a public holiday over here, Anzac Day. Maybe you've heard about it. Pretty sure I've talked about it before. Um, But Anzac is basically honoring those soldiers who have fought uh, in the wars, died and uh, served and basically done all of the things for us to be able to live the way that we live. Uh, Anzac obviously has people getting up early in the morning, dawn services um, to remember, to pay respects to fire a lot of guns um, all of those kinds of things so uh, I chose to pay my respects with a sleep in uh, probably not terribly respectful but honest honest is, is key yeah um, <laughs> um, thank you Pink Phantom um, for opening up uh, Jewels from NZ today uh, as soon as I got that message I laughed and cried um, and it was amazing uh, so thank you <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, It was awesome. And if you don't know what he's talking about, then head over to Jules from NZ, the YouTube channel, and have a look at the parody of Adele's Hello song, which is called Meow. Uh, (laughs) It's it's a bit of fun. I do a lot of uh, parody songs over there. So, um, yeah, they're good good times. I should put more of my parody songs up there because they're very, very fun. Okay, so anyway, we're not here to ramble on about Jules does parodies um we're here to ramble on about various RPG things um and uh I have a bunch of call-ins to get through um some fighting fantasy call-ins um call-ins in response to uh the last episode where I put up about perception checks and traps and dungeons and and whether um you should be able to roll for dexterity before you fall in and things like that so people have responded to that so that's cool um and then we obviously have our dragon's bounty a tales of equestria adventure to continue where we were meeting a crocodile so uh lots to get through today so without any further ado uh let's play some call-ins and get into the chat
2: Hey Jules, just getting into the new episode. Love the title, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, you're asking if we should revisit Death Trap Dungeon or go on to a new one. That is a tough call. I think we should try one of the new ones. Those were the two the, the two that you picked up or the two that I was gonna recommend, but I I just forgot to call. So I'm I'm stoked. Uh they though they both sound awesome. Forest of Doom and Island of the Lizard King both sound amazing. I'm down for either one. But yeah, let's let's try another one and then we can go back and revisit Death Trap Dungeon. Anyway, back to the episode. Bye. Hey
1: Jules, Jason here calling in as I listen, so you might get a series of little phone calls from me. As far as which game book to play next, the Fighting Fantasy. I say you just pick another one and play it as opposed to replaying the same one over and over, back to back. Go back, you know, revisit Death Trap Dungeon, definitely, but don't do it right away. Do it down the road. And maybe you'll remember to make different choices, maybe not. But, you know, explore some new things.
0: Hey, lads. So, new fighting fantasy, you say? Play more of different books? And we did. Didn't we, Joey? We went meandering around in the forest of doom and my god did we get lost um, <laughs> so so Colin you'll probably appreciate this having played it um, we we went in um, we made a purchase with a weird guy at the start of the uh, uh, forest of doom um, we purchased. Let's just say without spoiling anything, because I really don't want to spoil this, because I think people should definitely play Forest of Doom. It's a very awesome book right up there with Death Tread Dungeon for me. Um, I can't wait to revisit it again. Um, we purchased the wrong things. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yes. <laughs> made our way through the forest of doom. There were certain things we needed that we did not have on us because of the purchases that we had made. So it does matter in a very big way. Um, all I'm going to say about this adventure is hilariously, uh Joey and I did not die. We are still alive wandering around in the forest of doom we actually had to stop playing so completely the opposite to death trap dungeon there are multiple ways to die in this thing right but we just got really lucky with some rolls and some of the treasure that we found um some of the things that happened to us turned out to be okay rather than like the worst thing in the world so we we didn't die (laughs) still we still the point of the book is is there is a certain thing that you need to do which we haven't done so we're just still wandering around trying to do the thing we're supposed to do unable to do so um so yeah yeah (laughs) go play it folks it's amazing and it was a really good time (laughs) so Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Jason. Um, I'm sure Joey will talk a bit more about it on his channel, uh, Hindsightless, on his podcast, Hindsightless. Um, It was was very fun, a very good time. We were half asleep (laughs) by the end of it, and we were like, dear God we need to stop playing um so we joey and i have to go back to that character and and see if we can finally finish it which we which we may do or <laughs> we may do the other one before we come back to that because it's kind of hilarious sort of frustrating but not really frustrating but like we were like i swear we turned east last time and we got to the thing that did the thing but it's not here <laughs> how many wrong turns have we made oh god i need to start laughing about it but it was very fun i'm um, so new worked really well um still looking forward to going back and playing the other ones but um and i still haven't played island of the lizard king so we still have that to explore yet yeah, as well um uh, fighting fantasy books folks uh worth every penny of the entertainment they provide and i just want to give another shout out to kp who uh sent me a $25 voucher for BD&D to be able to, you go girl, you get yourself both books, <laughs> you know? So I was going to go pay for one of them and I was going to cho- choose one of them. And then this voucher came through from KP, uh, allowing me to buy two. So thanks KP, you you literally are the wind beneath my wings and enable me to have so much fun and play so many more games. Um, I love you. Yeah, just, you know. One of those casual things of just friends to friends, just friendly love. You're awesome. So, anyway, who have we got up next? Oh, and I forgot to mention, you might hear a snippet of KP later. <gasps> who is this mysterious KP? You'll have to keep listening to find out. Who have we got next? <music>
2: Yo, me again, which is why I didn't say peace out at the end of my last message. Anyway, as far as the traps and everything goes, you know, like, one would think after a party member fell down into a spike pit, and another one tripped over a trip trip wire, that maybe they wouldn't open doors all willy-nilly, right? But this is how you learn. This is how groups learn, especially, like, newer groups to the hobby, it's how you learn how to travel through a dungeon. The vaunted player skill that all the old all the old gamers always talk about. How the kids these days don't have player skills. But this is how you learn, right? Nobody had player skills when they first started playing the game. And so I think even though this might have been a rough patch for the group, hopefully they learned. Hopefully this was a, like a teaching moment for them. Anyway, back to it.
1: Dealing with disappointed players. So I've had to do this. I've had players that have been very unhappy with the way some things turned out in some of my games. And, you know, it's just one of those things. Typically, I will give people a warning if something's going to happen. Um, so if I warn them, are you sure you want to do that? You know, you, this isn't an option instead. You know, and they still want to drive forward and do the thing that they said, even though they've got, you know, all these red flags not to do it then you know whatever happens happens and they might complain a little bit afterwards but it's just what it is um and the same thing if i make a hard thing like it's going to take x amount of time to to do something it's going to take that amount of time to do it and i'm sorry it's just the way the game is or you know the way that train is or whatever and yeah so i i think you have to to be be hard on that and, you know, if a player is sulky or kind of just complaining, you you, you know, you just got to kind of move on. And if they're not totally disrupting the game, you can let them do that because the other players probably can get frustrated with that, too. And so they, they may, you, you know, just by kind of group dynamics, they'll, they'll probably shut that down. But as far as, although, although it's going to really depend on your group and your group dynamics, how, how that sulking is going to turn out. But... Now, if you're wrong as a DM, if you make a mistake, then obviously you, you know, and it, or if it's brought up after the session, or if there's a question, it's like, listen, this is how it how it is, but we can talk about it after the game. And, th- and then after the game, whether it's one-on-one, or we're talking as a whole group, you can discuss it after the game. And if you're wrong, then, you know, definitely admit you're wrong. You, you know, DM's not perfect, but I think in the game, you have to stick by your decision to keep the game going unless it's obvious. I cut myself off there by saying stick by your decision in the game to keep the game moving and don't have long conversations about it during the game. And I mean, if you're wrong and you need to adjust during the game, then that's okay too. But the key is you don't want the game to devolve into rules discussions. You want those to happen outside playtime or during a break, not during, preferably after the session though, not during the, in the middle of the session to break up the momentum of the game.
2: Lots of calls for me today. Okay, so here's a question. Uh, You were mentioning how there were a lot of roles with perception and stuff. So, what about this? If if the player, the one who's always out front, who fell down into the spike pit, if he then is like, I've learned my lesson, Dungeon Master Julia, because I imagine that's what they all call you, uh, (laughs) I am... I've I've gone and gotten a ten foot pole, and I'm poking the floor ahead of me as I walk down this hallway. I'm poking it like the floor, like five feet in front of me, to see if anything opens up or anything triggers. Would you just tell them that yes, the floor opens up and it triggers, but you don't fall in because you found it. Would you give them advantage on the perception check? Would you just not require? I don't know. What would you do if they did that? Yeah. Bye.
0: So to answer your question first, Joey, because Jason's stuff is, is requires more attention. Um, uh, Not more attention. That was a weird way of saying that more thinking on my part Um, to answer your question. Yes. Uh, if they had a 10 foot pole and they were doing things in front of them instead of just like sneaking around a corner and looking um, because looking is obviously perception so you can't get advantage on perception for just looking more um, but if they had a tool which enabled them to be able to do things like one of the traps for instance has a uh, it's an illusion based trap it's an illusion on the floor um, which if you put a 10 foot pole through it would be quite obvious that it would go through, so that wouldn't even be a roll right like that would be just you see the pole go through the floor that's weird um and then it's up to them what they do with that information, but they would see that right, so that's an order but um when it comes to the floor opening underneath you type traps, then there's a question of just um like how much weight and things like how much weight is on a 10-foot pole versus how much weight, like, would be if they stood on it? Because a lot of these traps have, like, if something of a certain weight kind of sits on it, then blah. I mean, maybe you just give them an advantage on a perception roll for them being able to see a slight movement in the floor rather than, like, that they just see it, it is going to fall through. Yes, is the answer in general. It Using a tool should give you... A bonus or an advantage or or even in some places an auto of the tool kind of negates the trap completely um yeah but yeah they didn't do anything like that so i didn't need to worry about it um in terms of what jason was talking about with like um unsatisfied players or sticking to your roles as such i do want to be clear like those like those two things are very like separate categories of chat almost in themselves like making sure your players are satisfied isn't always about rules it can be about role play and about a whole bunch of different things making sure that they're happy is obviously a big part of a dm's job is to think about their players it should never be when you're sitting down to plan the session what do i want to do but like what are my players interested in what do they want to focus on what have i noticed that they've been more drawn to like what things can i offer them you know, which might be fun considering who their characters are and what might be fun for them to do. I'm not going to plan an entire session where none of them have any ability to to cope with um, or deal with the, the thing in any way. So it's just all like auto fails and they just fail and they die. Like that would be a dumb session to plan. So thinking about my players is always pretty high on, um, or making sure that my players are happy is always pretty high on the thing. But rules are different right like rules are just rules and if your players are unhappy about basic rules then they're obviously playing the wrong game um that i feel very strongly about that if you're getting crappy cranky about just basic rules going wrong for you then like what um yeah anyway but and as as a side to that, like if players are unhappy with how things have gone for them, because, you know, when you roll crappy and things happen, like your character dies and stuff, you're allowed to have an emotional reaction to that. Like, you know, that is, that is bad. That is sad. It is, I have cried on, on a podcast recording, um, as something happened to my character that was devastating for me, you know, like, so, so yes, have those reactions and stuff, but, um when you're mad because a DM won't let you do a thing um, because their ruling is or the rules are and it doesn't let you do the thing that you wanted to do because you thought that'd be fun and that would break the rules or that would circumvent the trap or that would not need this situation or whatever, like, that's just kind of a dumb thing and a crappy thing to get angry about. So, um. While I would address that, I would address that differently from somebody who had something crappy happen to their character, completely within and within the rules, and they're just sad because their character had something crappy to their happen to them. You know, they've they um, were poisoned by an attack and like their character is dying and they're finding it really hard. Like you know that. That is a thing you might deal with in a different way with lots of chats and lots of outside of the games that, you know, like, how do you want to deal with this? And here's some things that might actually help the situation. So how can we um, make it in game so your character might be able to get near them or like as you as a DM might be thinking those questions? Like, how do I get a a cure or resistance or whatever um sort of nearby them give them a fighting chance not necessarily give it to them but like at least make it an option in the game you know um rolls will be rolls and dice of chaos and things will happen there things happen and and that's just the nature of the game but i at least always want to give my players a fighting chance whereas if you've uh, built your character to min max a particular situation um, thinking that you could circumvent me and my traps and stuff and i've homebrewed a, a, a thing for this game because I thought it would be fun to do this particular thing and then you get crabby at me because that's how the rules work and you, you know, like, uh, they didn't work the way that you thought they would work and so you thought you would one-shot kill the monster and you didn't. Um, That's kind of a crappy thing to get upset about. Now, homebrew should always be discussed beforehand if you're homebrewing anything crazy, but, like, I do tend to change the stats of my monsters and stuff around or like the abilities of my monsters around. And I do that before the game. So I never change things as we're rolling. Like I might just decide that uh, they're level five players and there's five of them. So I'm giving them a, like a, a normally a CR five monster, which obviously is way too easy for a five player strong party of level five characters, you know, like just way too strong by himself. So I might buff him a little in this area and give him an extra ability in this area. But I really don't want to add like a million different tokens on the map just to make the situation harder, right? Because that's not what I want to do. I just want this guy. So I might just buff him a little bit. So he lasts a few rounds, you know, I'll do stuff like that. If you're a player who knows the monster menu and you know, like, and you research what the HP and the AC and things like that and the abilities of this creature and then you're telling me, well, it shouldn't be able to do that. It should die. Um, That's on you if you get annoyed about that. Um, The same with the traps and stuff. Don't assume that the traps work the way that you think that they work because they often don't. Um, And... We're having a little bit of this happen in some of my games at the moment because a lot of my players are quite experienced and stuff. And so they'll be like, yeah, that's not how that darkness works, though. So my stuff just kind of works through it because it's fine. And I'm like, I say it's magical darkness and you can't see through it. So no, you can't cast that spell because it literally says a creature that you can see. And they're like, yeah, but like, I think that I should be able to see because I can hear things through the darkness and stuff. And I'm like, yes, but that's not vision. That's hearing. And that's like a completely different thing. And they're like, yeah, but I don't have disadvantage because of my perception's not really, like, affected at all because I can still hear things. And I'm like, you have literally lost one of your senses, which makes it harder for you to be able to identify where that monster is, unless they're screaming at you, over here, I'm over here, which they're not, by the way. They're sneaking silently because I rolled for stealth, which you can't hear them so yes you have disadvantage (laughs) so i'm having a lot of these kind of arguments at the moment um trying not to argue because i don't like doing that as jason points out in the middle of a game it's not fun To have rules discussions in the middle of the game but if people are just genuinely not accepting what i'm saying that also becomes a problem so i have been saying things like hey guys i like this is a call i've made as the game this is how this encounter works this is the rules of this encounter not necessarily permanently and forever but right now this is how this works and if you have any issues about it we can talk about it after the game but again after the game being the key point here because right now let's just play a game and these are the conditions that and these are the things that you have to work with and have to deal with so this is how we're doing it um Uh, and it's annoying like to have to kind of say those conversations because you hate being the mean guy and the sad guy and then everybody gets a bit huffy and then they get back into it because they realize that even with those conditions the game is still pretty easy so i haven't really ruined or done anything to the game um they still managed to beat their monster just fine um but um it's like the, the the difference between them thinking that they can do something easily and that something is going to take more time and more work. Yes, I want you to work at it. I'm a DM who wants things to not be easy but for you to still have success. You know, like, I don't want to give it to you. Is there any satisfaction in just being given um, the answers? I, I don't think so. I like having the mystery. I like having to do the work. I like it being a struggle. So that's the kind of game I provide and I, I hope that my players do too interestingly that same party I put them into a completely homebrewed kind of situation told them it was going to be homebrewed with a whole bunch of different monsters and things they'd never seen before they came away from that saying it was the best experience of their life because they didn't know anything about it so here we go like I've asked them to maybe have a think about that and like go back and like try not to metagame a bunch of stuff with the characters you know maybe I'll just call things different names so they don't know what they are I don't know like we'll figure it out but um they're not having a bad time, and this isn't me having a rant about them. This is just me talking about um, players getting mad and being unsatisfied, just in general. Um, a lot of the stuff I've actually talked about isn't even relevant to the games that I'm playing right now. It's very relevant to how I <laughs> felt being a player in certain games. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I've gone on a side rant, Jason, but I hope that was interesting, um, because I found your calls kind of interesting as a thought experiment to think through how I would feel about different things and how I have felt about different things in the past and how I deal with things now, which is generally with a lot of pre-conversation and and including in my session zero, I do say we don't do rules conversations in the middle of the game. If you have an issue with how I've run a rule, you can talk to me after the game. So actually maybe I just, Maybe the, the thing I need to do in those games is go, hey, it's been six months since we had our session zero. Let me remind you of some of the things that you agreed to when you signed up to play these games. Um, because maybe actually we've just been playing together for a while and we're all just comfortable together now and um, they're doing things that they forgot you know about um because nobody enjoys a session where we have to discuss and pull apart the rules that's why they probably didn't enjoy the session before the one I just kind of threw together and, home-brewed and had a great time you know um because they don't enjoy doing that for some reason they are doing that <laughs> I just need to stomp on it um so yeah yeah okay uh, I think that 's me uh replying to you uh Jason and Joey, with their interesting thoughts on on player satisfaction and and rules and running how we run rules and all of that. I would love to hear what other people have dealt with and how they deal with it, and uh their sessions and maybe their session zero notes that they say to people or how you remind a player in the moment that we don 't deal with rules during session um maybe wording that you say or something like that all of these things would be useful for me to have in my bank of things uh tools and tricks and things like that so yeah all right who's up next hey jules
2: it's bj uh (laughs) i really enjoyed the nerds uh pink episodes kind of wondering where the rest of us can sign up to play one of the other nerds. Uh, is Joe going to do all of them or, or do you want to get like a different person playing each character? Um, that sounds like a fun idea not to impose, just kind of curious. Uh, but anyway, really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: Hey BJ. Uh, thanks for your call in BJ from arcane alienist. Of course. Um, I hadn't really thought about it honestly. Um it's a good point. It's a good question. Uh uh usually Joey and I play lots of games together and we do most of our stuff together because we are constantly on the phone to each other at random hours and I'll be like, "Hey, have you got like an hour you want to do this thing?" and he'll be like, "Okay, sounds fun." Um mainly I think he's just kind of putting up with me, but If I did have other people playing other nerds, uh, I would have to get much more organized because all of your time zones are weird. But here's the thing. I am going to be looking for other players to play the last one because the last one is six nerds who all need to go on the last adventure together, right? So here's a great time to register your interest if you are interested. Joey and I have not recorded all of the uh, Nerds adventures. We've only recorded three of them. So we have done the next one, which is um, Orange. Uh, Orange is a fighter. Um, So we've already played out that one. But obviously, Joey isn't going to be able to play six Nerds Um, all at the same time (laughs) while I'm DMing, which it would be crazy, right? Like, So uh, we are looking for another five uh, interested people who might want to join the finale. So if you are interested in uh, being one of the nerds, um, please maybe uh, send me a message through any of my media or find me on Discord um, and send me a uh, message there. I'm not in the audio dungeon, apologies. I found it a really unsafe and um, unsupportive place for someone like me, uh, a female who likes 5E, to be, Um, which is probably quite an aggressive statement to put out there on a podcast platform where I know a lot of the audio dungeon people are, but that's just truth for me. It it is my truth, if you like. Um, It doesn't mean that it's that way for everybody, and I'm glad because um i know that the audio dungeon is like an awesome place for some people to be um and really supportive of their hobbies and their you know all of that but you know when mental health is something that you struggle with you limit the places that kind of mess with it so i did uh and i created my own uh discord which is nowhere near as popular (laughs) Um, Glitter is weirdly silent all the time. Hey, Carl. Um, We try, but uh, it's just not as um, chatty. But I'd love for it to be one day. But that's okay. Um, That's that's life. Uh, Yeah, where was I going with all of that? Anyway, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, BJ. Going on a big rant in response to your awesome question with, like, wanting to play games with me, which I super encourage. So... Um if people want to actually get in a game with me, um especially if it's 5e, come on man, I showing 5e to people is like my favorite thing in the entire world is just talking to people about how awesome D&D is. Yes, I want to do that all the time and these nerds ones are actually really easy to get into. The character sheets are very simple. Character sheets like one pages. Like, barely anything going on in them. Um, The games are really easy to play. It doesn't take a crazy amount of intuitiveness to figure out what you're supposed to do or, like, how you're supposed to get through this, which I love. I think they've done a really good job. So, yeah, register your interest now if you want to come be part of the finale on The Nerds Adventure. Yay! And up next is the thing that everybody has been waiting for, right? the ponies adventure what will they find where will they be what are they doing Ah! every pony is waiting on tinderhooks to find out my little pony my little pony what is friendship all about my little pony my little pony friendship is magic Hello ponies and welcome back to My Little Pony's Tales of Equestria, a starter adventure called A Dragon's Bounty. We have been playing through this uh, step by step because it's written like a um what do you call it pick a path book or like a fighting fantasy book um if you want to put that to something else I've been talking about in my episodes so yeah our last choice uh because if you haven't listened before and this is your first time listening to these episodes go back a few um we start at the one that's called play ponies with me so um and then there's little pieces in each of my episodes but For those of you who have been playing along the entire time, and there's a few of you, love you ponies, Um, so we had a big choice from last time. We met our first craggadile, and we had to decide if we wanted to run away, dashing through the mist and trying to retrace our steps, or stay and face the craggadile. So my ponies and gems, which one will it be?
1: Hi, Jules. I think that if nerds has taught us anything, it's stay and try and make friends.
2: <clears throat> my little pony, my little pony, friendship is magic. That's how it goes. <laughs> friendship is magic, right? That means let's make friends with the Cragadile. Let's stay. What's coming down here? The wrong choice. <laughs> Carl, I think you might have been onto something, man. <laughs> this things might have gone terribly, terribly wrong, but this is where we are. We got a crocodile coming at us. It was growling, but let's make friends. Let's get some intel. Let's see what the crocodile has to say about what's going on. He might be a friend because friendship is magic. That's the end. Peace
1: out. Jules, I think we the ponies need to stay and talk to the crocodile. And, or try to talk to the crocodile, because it might know what's going on with the dragon. I know it's dangerous, but we, we've we come this far, and I know this isn't, you know, we're not here to fight this thing, but maybe we can talk to it. So, so I think we stay and, and try to communicate. Hey, Jules, it's the Pink Phantom here again. I just wanted to say that while I myself am a bit of a coward, think, you know, Shaggy and Scooby 'er, Scooby on Scooby-Doo. I think Pony Me is not. And so we want to stand firm and just see if we can talk to this crocodile and uh, find out if this is what has irritated the dragon to no end.
2: It's an adventure. I think we want to stay and find out what the crocodile wants, whether it wants to eat us or fight us. I think Strong Oak would vote as I'm playing strong Oak would vote to stay and fight at the very least strong, strong Oak would fight a retreating fight. If their others want to run to cover their back. All right, stay and fight.
0: We've decided to stay and face the crocodile. So we're turning to section 36. Okay. All right. Rushing in towards the crocodile, you narrowly miss being caught by mighty jaws as they snap shut. You roll underneath it and slide to a stop behind it, and as you do, something catches your eye. There's a long, sharp shard of stone sticking out of the creature's rear right leg. It looks like it'd be really painful. Maybe that's why the beast is so cranky. Pulling it out might be the fastest way to calm it down. And in order to do that, we need to pick a body challenge against the crocodiles. Before we go into numbers, I want to tell you a little bit more about this. So we can upgrade our body trait of our various ponies if we have apples or pony balm. Do we have either of those things? Let's have a look. Looking at our inventory, we see an illustration of a cinder stone and a lamp. Uh Uh-oh. Well, this is going to be tough because our Kragadile's body challenge is a double potter. So he has a body trait of a d20 plus a d10. So you roll both and you take the highest. So yeah, yeah, because as you know, uh... Our strongest pony only has a body trait of a D8. And our weakest pony, Firebrand, has a body trait of a D4. So even working together, this is going to be incredibly tough. Because obviously, if one pony succeeds, they all succeed. But if one pony fails, they all fail. So this is going to be a rough one. Okay, well... There's nothing to do, ponies, but roll the dice. So let's just hope that I roll really low on this crocodile's body trait because I have a feeling this might hurt. Okay, well, it didn't roll great. I rolled a 12 and a 1. Um, So we have to take the highest. So our crocodile is a 12. So let me write that down. Okay, so we've got a body trait of 12 for the crocodile. As we know, there's no way for our ponies to beat that, but I still have to roll, okay, so strong Oak has a body trait of a d eight. He can um with his stout heart add a d six and then take the higher um but that's not gonna help him in this situation, you know, like yeah, it's not it's it's not gonna be enough. Okay, ponies, there was a short break in recording there because I actually thought I might have been getting Stout Heart wrong, and I was. So I just want to – I went and grabbed my Tales from Equestria rules book, um, and I'm going to read the description of Stoutheart to you um, so that you understand how it works. So – um normally your stout heart would um, give your starting body trait upgraded one step, which it has because um, strong oak is on a D8 instead of a D6, which is cool. Um, and in addition, stout heart talent also means that once per game session um, you can ask the GM whether you can add your stout heart die when taking a test or a challenge using your body trait. This represents your pony pushing himself ha- or herself harder without losing heart, which makes earth ponies very resilient and excellent at overcoming difficulties. So we can add our stout heart die when taking a test or challenge, but we can only do it once per game session. So if we do choose to use um, strong Oak's stout heart die, then, um, well, We can't use it again. But this seems like it might be kind of important. I don't know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll every pony's rolls. We're going to see where that gets us. And then I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, Because let's not also forget about our tokens of friendship. And so um, I want to talk about them before I even do any rolls. Okay, so... Um, tokens of friendship you have six of these tokens each pony has two tokens to use Uh, and you have three different ways of changing the die using tokens of friendship so one token of friendship if you spend that you can ignore the result that you rolled and roll again So basically just cashing in another roll with one token of friendship. By spending two tokens of friendship, you can ignore the result completely and attempt the test again, but by rolling a d20 instead of whatever the die was that you were rolling before. So it buys you the use of a d20 for that particular roll. Spending three tokens of friendship, uh, you pass the test or win the challenge automatically no re-roll is needed but those three three tokens are gone um and then you would only end up with three tokens left for the rest of the game session so it's hard calls to decide whether to choose um tokens of friendship at any given time and because of that um i'm going to let call-ins dictate whether to use tokens of friendship or not. I may remind you that they exist and how many you have in certain points where I think that you might want to spend them, Um, like now, um, potentially. Um, But yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they'll just kind of sit there. Okay, so let's do some rolls because this one is going to be tough. Okay. So we have a 12 to beat. And... Let's go with um, Firebrand first. Firebrand only has a body of a D4, so Firebrand needs to roll well. Um, Firebrand gets a four. Four out of a D4. Well, I mean, that's as good as they're going to get. So um, congrats, Firebrand, I guess. Although that could be kind of painful. Okay. Uh, Thrilly Philly gets a five on a D6. Okay. So five. Five. On a d6. Alright. And stout heart gets a d eight. So what do we get? Oh nice. Stout heart. Okay. So stout heart, um, stout heart. Oh my gosh. Strong oak. I'm thinking about stout hearts. Strong oak gets an eight on a d8. Now, here's the thing we already know that an eight is a fail. Now, because of the nature of this pick path sort of game where I'm um, requiring call-ins, normally you would add dice to things before you rolled so you wouldn't know if it was a fail before you needed to add it, you know, blah, 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 all of that kind of thing. But we're waiving that because we kind of can't do that because we're not all sitting in the same room at the same time looking at the same things. So here's my my questions for you. These aren't in the book. (laughs) You can at this point Add strong oak stout heart to try and add a d6 and see if we can just beat um, our craggadiles body challenge of 12 um, by rolling a 4 or more, which the odds are pretty good on, you know. Or we can use some tokens of friendship, 1, 2, roll again, but that's not really going to help us because that would be the same d8 and I don't think you can get higher than 8. So um, two to get a D20 to roll instead and see if we can roll much better than an eight um, or hopefully better than a 12 Um, or we can spend three tokens of friendship to pass the challenge automatically Uh, or we can let those rolls stand and see what happens. So do you add stout heart? Do you go with tokens of friendship? And if you do, how many? You'll need to tell me that. Or do we just ride these rolls out and see what happens next? Well, ponies, what will it be? All right, and that's a wrap. Just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's listening to this episode. There was a lot of good chat There was a, from everybody else, and there was a lot of rambling from me. <laughs> um, so thank you for sticking through that. Big, big, big personal thanks to my gems listening out there that I could not do that without. So that's James, Jason, Barry, Lyrian, Ezekiel, KP, Joey, and Dusty. Um, I don't know how Brad does the big old list of feety Patreon because I can't even make it through my tiny little cute, amazing, gorgeous list, um, without having to take a breath in the middle. So um, it's hard. Um, <laughs> I want to say a big Thank you to McCollins that make these episodes really fun to record. Um, So thank you to Joey from Hindsightless, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Kyle from GMologist Presents, um, BJ from Arcane Alienist, thank you for your call-in, the mysterious pony lover KP, thank you for your call-in, and the pink phantom, the musical masked man, um, thank you for your beautiful singing call-in um, at the start of the show. So, Yes. And if you're listening to all of this and you're thinking about calling into one of my episodes, please do. Um, You can send me a little voice recording um, through any of my media, which is what KP did. um, And it totally gets on. It's easy to do. um, And I love them. So just send me one of them if you don't want to use the Anchor app, which I know can be a little clunky at times. So uh, feel free to just send them any way you like. And if you're enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, give the show a review on the platform of your choice or tell a friend. It all helps. So let me get out of here. Inohora, uh, kakiteano, aroha And, you know, kiapai to which is have a nice day, I think. I think I said that. I'm practising my Māori. Kia pai to koutou ra. I think you're supposed to ra roll it a bit more. Yeah, you know what? Have a nice day. Okay, goodbye. I love you, goodbye. Bye.